Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode number 167 of Soccer Noob Rock in America Featuring Me Person Noob What a strange name, why are you called Person Noob? Because I'm relatively new to being a person At least compared to me and why am I Soccer Noob? Because Brand name (laughs) Brand name, well, I'm not as new as I once was But I'm still new to soccer to a lot of people listening But Here is our promise to you as we head into the new year. We are going to endeavor more than ever to be something for everybody. We're going to have information for for veteran fans, for newer fans, and everybody in between. And we're starting to add a little bit more gambling. Not that you're old enough, person, but I have been uh, doing pretty well on uh, DraftKings. And, uh, yeah, we're going to try to help the people make some quid. So maybe I am not as noob as I once was, right? Noob. So what's going on in the life of, you're the real star of the show. You're the reason that people have always listened to this. What is new in the life of now in middle school person noob? Um, I'm in middle school. Yeah, I just said that. Yeah. You just had your first archery competition recently. Yep. That's a pretty big deal in, uh, it wasn't for me back home in Iowa where I'm from, but it's a bigger deal here in the state where we are now. There's a lot. How many kids are out for archery, would you say, from your school? Like. That are your age? Like. Like about a hundred. Holy smoke! A hundred middle schoolers or a hundred middle school and high school. Uh, middle school, high school, and elementary. Oh, all together. Well, that's still a lot because it's not like you go to that big of a school. That's pretty awesome. How'd you do at your first competition? Twenty second place. I, wow! Out of like a hundred. Um, out of like thirty. <laughs> hey, that's not bad. It's your first competition. Some of those kids have been doing it for years. You've I beat been... a tenth grader. That's, that's all right. I know. You did. Yeah, she did beat a tenth grade boy, so that's pretty good. But given that we're heading up on the Christmas holiday season, there is a new story that uh, Person Noob has been enjoying telling people, and so I am going to let her tell you about what now may be our new. I don't know. Should it be a Christmas tradition or should yes. that never, this episode never happen again? This episode should happen every year. Okay. So what, let's, let's tell the folks, set the scene and let them know what happened. Okay. We were going to my cousin's house for Christmas. Well, to, well, to hang out for Christmas. This, this was a few weeks ago. Um, I, me and my c- cousin were playing in the front yard. Uh, and then my mom had asked my dad, soccer noob, to go and get a crock pot of soup from the trunk. Uh, and me and my cousin were just in the front yard talking and playing. And then we heard what sounded like a little girl laughing with candy. Little, said, that's very yes. specific. I do not sound like a little girl yes, when I'm do. laughing. Yes, you do. It's not factual. Yes, you do. Go on with your story. Um. Anyway, so so we heard that. Um. <laughs> 
And then we turned around to where we heard it from, which was by the car. And then and then we looked and we saw my dad's head. And we're like, oh, it just must be my dad or something. And then we saw him and he was carrying the crock pot of soup, tiptoeing, laughing like a little girl, saying, I'm stealing the soup, running down the driveway. I don't think I was saying anything, was I? My story. <laughs> You're changing the story. No, I'm not. I'm, All right. I'll say you remember. You, you can't remember anything. So, um, and then... Uh, and then we turned around and we looked at him and we said, Dad, what are you doing? And he said, I'm stealing the soup. And started tiptoeing down the down the driveway. We're on a steep driveway that's on a very steep hill. And he's running down the driveway stealing a crock pot of soup. Yeah, and then you stopped me. And then I just came up and put a hand out saying, stop. It, stop. Do you know why I stopped? Because this is in the foothills of Appalachia nearly the, And uh, the hill that we were on On the edge of this town was very mm-hmm. steep And had I gone down Had I made it down the hill with the soup of chicken By the way, chicken and dumpling Soup or not a soup? Because that's what was in there Would you rather be called chicken and dumpling stealer? Uh, no, uh, just more of a semantic thing I'm not saying we need to change my moniker In this particular story But yes, okay I was told to bring the soup I'm tiptoeing down the driveway Had I made it all the way down This like Foothill, mountainside. I'm in bad enough shape that, particularly with a giant crock pot of soup, because this was large, I would probably not have made it back up the driveway. I would have, I would have called mom and been like, um, "I have made a terrible error in judgment and stolen the soup. Would you please come and get me at the bottom of the mountain?" That would have been more beautiful than me just going stop. Yes, and I did stop. I listen. I listened to you much to your present chagrin. So we don't agree on exactly everything that happened, but I think we can agree at the very least that you got the gist of it. But here's what you don't know, what? or didn't know at the time. I didn't just make. The, I didn't see the soup and simply decided to do this. Um, if you go back into uh, European uh, history and uh, well folklore really, and uh, go to the mountains of Andorra. Do you know this country? No. It's between Spain, Spain and France. Uh, it's a real country, and it's uh, it's called the microstate. little tiny country, but it's right in the mountains. And it is where the story of the Grinch comes from. You know, not I'm saying that the Grinch, as you would see him in movies, being a green, hairy monster kind of guy, would necessarily be realistic. But there was a man that would live in the hills and uh, like many people who live in the hills by themselves, he was, I, I guess, pretty uh, cranky. And he wasn't altogether honest because um, it was said in folklore that he would come down and he would steal things every so often. And there's a story that talks about one particular Christmas season that he came down and uh, stole an entire uh, thing of soup. They, they let sometimes they let the soup or the beans like boil overnight on the cauldron. This was like probably two, three, five hundred years ago, something like that. And he came and he stole an entire hot pot or cauldron of uh, of soup or soup beans. And everybody was astonished that he, A, could get away with that, and B, that that's what he would even be trying to get away with compared to anything else that he might steal, whether it was food or not. So I didn't simply make this up. I was recreating a story from... Andorin folklore from days of old. I have two things. Okay, I have okay. two things. Two things. First of all, well, three things. First of all, you are a nerd. <laughs> I'm going to put it bluntly. All right, fair play. 
You sound like a high school history teacher that no one likes. Okay, that kind of branches <laughs> off on the nerd thing. Was that a separate point? Um, sure. And also, my dad's the Grinch. Yeah, but it was from it was from history and stuff. Don't you believe my story? No. You think I just made that up, like more or less on the spot? Yes. Do you think I'm going to confess to that? No. <laughs> you will never know. <laughs> we didn't really plan this out very well for how to end the bit, did we? No. But it sounds like it could be true-ish. You're the Grinch. <laughs> My dad's the grinchiest nerd. Hopefully there are no, people wait, that are what? hopefully there are people out there that are gonna actually look this up well, to find out if the story is true. And you can find us on Soccer Noob USA on Twitter and tell us what you have found. I would love to know if there's any evidence of this. All right, so what are you gonna get this particular week for reels? Well, it is uh match mini previews of 10 plus matches from all over the world leagues, big and small tournaments, big and small. We don't care about the size of the country. If a match is important where it's being played, that is important to us. And that allows us to cover matches that are quite different from any other football show you're going to find out there. This particular week, our matches are going to uh, stretch from Friday the 22nd over the Christmas holiday. And our last day will be on the 28th. And don't forget to stick around at the end for our three super cool bonus matches. Anything else you want to throw in person, noob? Nope. <laughs> just go on with your bad soccer noob self and Nerd. soup stealing, right? Hey, <laughs> that's fine. I can't really argue that. All right, let's dive right into the matches with match number one. We have got a bevy of great Friday matches. Number one is or should be one of the biggest ones in the world. After all, it is a world title. Talking about the FIFA Club World Cup. For newer fans, the six continental champions uh, determined by what in most places is called a Champions League. The names vary a little bit, but that doesn't matter. Plus, the defending top light league champion also gets to play from the host country, in this case, Saudi Arabia. FIFA Club World Cup, it's uh, poo-pooed in some circles because most everybody knows that Europe, where all the soccer money is, that they produce out of their Champions League. You know, the real world champion or best team in the world, they're always a heavy favorite in the Club World Cup. But that rankles the ire of the South American teams in particular, some others to a degree, but the South American clubs that get there tend to take this very seriously because of that chip on their shoulder. And we have just that short of matchup this year. Manchester City, the defending UEFA Champions League winners versus Fluminense out of Brazil. They won the last Copa Libertadores, the South American Champions League. If you have or can find Globo, you can watch this final at 1 o'clock Eastern time on Friday. Uh, a little bit about betting. We're starting to get into that, trying to do something for new fans, veteran fans, or maybe new to the gambling fans. I've been getting into that and actually not doing too badly for the first couple of months at all, if I might say so. Uh, as I said, Manchester City, heavy favorites and for a reason, but you can actually get them at uh, better than minus 400. I found it on uh, minus 390 on DraftKings amongst other places. So if you can get it below 400, I think that that is a very good bet if you can live with the low payout. Let's find out why. Uh, well, first of all, Manchester City, they play in the number one rated league in Europe and therefore really the world, the Premier League. They've never won this title before, I don't believe though. Currently, they sit in fourth place in the Premier League, and they have been a handful for everybody. The defense, uh, it's been top four. It's Champions League worthy, but their offense is where they are really shining. They're getting nearly, or, or rather, just over two to three goals per match. That is crazy, and that puts them in first place. 
Now, it is worth noting as far as key players, they will be playing this final without uh, some of their stars, uh, namely Erling Holland, also Kevin De Bruyne and Jeremy Do uh, Doku. But I'll tell you, the reserves would probably still be a moderate favorite if they started all reserves against anybody else in the world that wasn't from Europe. A guy that will be playing, in my opinion, is the team most valuable player is a defensive midfielder for them. He's from Spain. Another one of the stars, the singularly named Rodri. He's got three goals and two assists on the league year. He's also second best in accurate passes per 90 minutes and number one in the Premier League in accuracy on long balls. So they can, he's really the engine of the offense and he can get things going in a variety of ways. A ton of the volume runs through him, and he's no slouch on the defensive side either. In particular, he excels at aerial duels, and he's got almost 50 national team appearances for his home country already. Another key guy to look for, one that isn't talked about quite as often, but he is second best in positions, possessions, rather, one in the final third. So if Manchester City have lost the ball in their offensive end of the field, this is a guy who can ground duel and get it back. And that is Englishman Connor Gallagher, attacking midfield with just 23 years old. I believe something of his unsung hero, at least compared to some of the other big names. Teams current form, they are 3-1-0 across all competitions in their last four. They're about to participate in the knockout stage in the current Champions League. By the way, they advanced to the final, uh, through the semifinal over the Asian champions, Urawa Red Diamonds, one of Noob's favorite teams worldwide, uh, nil three. So they didn't struggle against the Asians, nor do I think they will against Fluminense, who play out of Rio de Janeiro. Uh, they qualified for this with their first ever Copa Libertadores title. However, last year in the league, they didn't do so well. Not terribly, but they only finished in seventh place. That's not even good enough to get them back into next year's Copa Libertadores, where they really struggled and, and where Manchester City is going to hurt them is on defense. They were below average in that regard. Brazil's league is not that high scoring, and they were giving them almost one and a quarter uh goals per match and their offense wasn't nearly enough to buoy that they were in the top six or seven in that regard as all top third of the league nevertheless keep players to look for number one in accurate passes per 90 and by a lot from this league uh just 22 years old defensive midfielder who goes simply by andre what i find interesting is that other than this passing he really doesn't offer anything else in terms of offense or defensive specialty. Nevertheless, he's been linked with a move to Barcelona or perhaps to Liverpool over in the Premier League in the near future. On the defensive side of things, what production they are getting uh, is largely at the feet of Robert Arboleda, their Ecuadorian star center back. He's number one in the leagues in blocks per 90 minutes. Team's current form, while they lost their last two league matches before it ended not too far back, uh, they did make pretty easy work. Uh, to my mild surprise with the uh, reigning African champions and the historical great on that continent of all time, All Ailey beat them 2 to nil. Match number B. That is right, daughter dearest. We will never slow in our quest to 
bring people over to the side of the light that is number B, number two, uh, darkness bathroom talk. Be more couth than that. Listen to it in action. Match number B, our second Friday match, comes to us from Nicaragua's Liga Primera, where they are in the Apertura stage, which is the second of the two parts of their season, broken up very cleanly. This is the second leg or match of the home and away two-legged tie or series. In other words, they play one match at each of the two finalists' home fields, and then they add up the scores and see who comes out on top. Pretty common. Nicaragua, by the way, is the ninth-ranked league in all of CONCACAF. In terms of Central America, the only one that it betters uh, in the coefficients is Belize. Only their two-stage champions will get to go to the Central American Cup, which is a feeder tournament to CONCACAF's Champions League next year, which is called the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Your matchup is a class-up matchup between two of the three behemoths from this country. Number one for the regular season, Real Esteli versus number B, there it is again, Dirion Han. Dirion Han got to host the first match and they won that 1-0. So Real Esteli with a little bit of work to do. And now let's talk about uh, the gambling portion of it. Real Esteli, independent of who advances, are favored to win this game, but not by tons to my surprise. So I very much recommend taking uh, Esteli at minus 110. That's about where you should be able to find it. And we'll talk about the hosts first. As always, Real Esteli. The club is named for the city out of which they play. It's probably a little bit under 150,000 people. Only eighth biggest one in the country. In the north, northwest, tremendous agricultural soil in this area, but it is absolutely perfect soil and seasonal weather for tobacco growth. Back during wartime when Cuban tobacco growers, amongst others, fled, a lot of them ended up in this area. So if you have trouble getting a Cuban cigar, you should look for one from Esteli, in my opinion. The club are known as the Train of the North, and they have won 20 league titles historically. 2021 internationally, they made the CONCACAF Champions Cup round of 16. Best they've ever done. 2022-23 Clausura stage. So that's the last completed half season in this league. Uh, Real Esteli, they finished second best in the regular season, but then they won the playoff final over, guess who, Dirion Hen. By the way, the third big one is Walter Ferretti, and they have really been struggling for about the last 18 months. Real Esteli won this year's first stage, the 2023-24 season, by nine points. And that's only in 18 matches. Extrapolate that out to a, you know, a bigger league's bigger schedule, and they ran away with it. They were number one on offense in the league. They were the only club getting over two goals per match. Had the number one defense by an even greater gap. Uh, they were twice as good as anybody else, only giving up a goal every other match on average. Key player to look for here offensively, Byron Bonilla, number seven scorer in the league with five goals. The fact that he's only seventh best in the league tells you they get their goals from a lot of different places, and that's why they are so dangerous. This particular guy spent a lot of his career in Costa Rica, a much better Central American league, and was Saprissa, one of my favorite teams and one of Costa Rica's best. They advanced through the semifinal over number four seed Managua, 1-0 on aggregate. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one is all in their last three. So can Dirion Hen hold on to their lead? They are known as the Chieftains and play out of the town of the similarly named Diriamba. Maybe about 65,000 people. It's only about 20 minutes south of the capital city, Managua. They have won 30 league titles and the last one was the 2021-22 Clausura stage. 
In the 2022-23 Clausura, they won the regular season, but then as we mentioned, they lost in the final. This year, they've been excellent on defense, but the reason that they were not really able to keep up with Esteli was they don't have the same offensive production. They were only fifth best in that regard. Nevertheless, key player to look for for them is on the offensive tide, tied for third best in scoring uh, with eight is Deshaun Forbes, homegrown player. They advanced through the semifinal under number three seed Sport Sebaco five to one on aggregate, really sliced and diced them up. Team's current form, they have won four straight with a seven to one goal differential. So while I said that I would bet on Real Esteli here, I would not necessarily bet the farm. Match number three. Get on your slip-on shoes. That makes it easier to get through security. We're headed on a commercial flight to Nepal, where one of the big leagues is the Nepal Super League. Now, here's why I phrase it that way. The A Martyrs Division has been the top flight, and it is one that is uh, built like uh, most other places, say in Europe, where it is a club-based model. It's been the number one league there for a very, very long time. Uh, this league, the Super League, has been in existence on and off the last couple of years, and it is a professional league or a franchise league, kind of like uh, Major League Soccer or the A-League down in Australia. What you need to know is this, though. Well, these players are getting paid, and there's probably a lot of crossover between the two leagues, quite frankly. This league is not the one that gets births into Asian international competitions. Nobody here goes to the Champions League or anything like that. But there's a lot of noise uh, in and around Nepal that this league, since it's paid, should become the top flight league. So, you know, we'll see how that goes in the future. As things stand right now for this league, there are nine teams. They simply play a single round robin before the top two move on to the playoffs. This is the last match of the regular season. And your matchup, two teams that are playoff bound, but battling for the top seed. Number B, uh, Dangadi taking on number one, Pokhara Thunders. Uh, Pokhara, they lead Dangadi by just two points of the table. So it's going to take a win for the hosts for them to snag that top spot in the bracket. But since there's a good chance we'll be revisiting one or both of these teams next week as they quickly make their way into and through their playoffs to the final. In fact, I know next week we're going to be talking about the final. That's just the way the calendar is going to work out. Let's take a time out and simply figure out how we want to bet this thing, make a little bit of money. Now, we could do a lot of, could do a lot of hard work and research, but I've been doing some of that already. Let's cheat and reintroduce ourselves to our in-house 3,500-year-old prognosticator, Noob Stradamus, to see if we can... We've had trouble finding him the last few weeks, get a lot of radio interference or something, but hopefully we can find him, get in connection, and get a drug-aided or drug-addled division the way it normally seems to go out of him and some news on how we can bet this thing so we can all pay off our mortgages. All right. Take it away, please, oh mighty soothsayer. Greetings from the Thracian plains of Greece. Tis I, a soccer score you seek. Well, your fresca shipment received, godly wrapped, still refreshes. And so I hold to my end our sacred bargain, partake of the lighted lotus leaf. And once again, travel through space and time. We
the vision manifests, and I find myself among old friends of a century ago. In cold, here and now I'm serving as one of the porters for the Everest Reconnaissance Expedition. The sharp-eyed Sherpas see the large, strange tracks before the rest of us. The Westerners among us surmise they were most likely left by a wolf, loping so as to make larger impressions in the snow. The Sherpa nervously insists they've been made. Mito Kenny, a wild man of the snows. A yeti, you would most likely say. We saw no wolf or yeti that day, but something here in this dream vision is different. The tracks are quite fresh, more they seem misshapen, whatever creature made them. Now I understand and feel, too, the ship is fear. And lo, out from beside a trail rock, to our side leaps Mitokangmi. The beast lumbers towards us. I can see its gruesome hollowed out back, as well as the nearly backwards pointing feet. Back and feet pointing toward the world of the dead, they say here, and I know our collective horrible death is imminent. Oh, just a vision, just a vision, just a vision, wiki wiki eggs bakey. Oh! Whew. I awake from the vision and know what awaits. A zero to zero score. Nothingness. A soccer death of sorts. I have seen. I have spoken. And I've made yellow snow. Do not eat. Match number four! The first of our Saturday matches brings us back to Central America, specifically Guatemala, where their top flight is the Liga Nacional, just like in Nicaragua. They are finishing up their Apertura stage playoffs. It's the final second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. The Liga Nacional here is the fifth-ranked one in CONCACAF, a fair bit better than Nicaragua's and it is considered to be number three in Central America. They, like most of the teams in Central America, will get to send three teams to the next Central American Cup. Your matchup, number 1A, Comunicaciones, versus number 4B, Guastatoya. Phrasing it that way, because in the regular season, they break up their uh, 12 or 14 teams, can't remember right off the top of my head, into two separate groups. Guastatoya got to host the first match. They did manage a 1-1 draw, but that just puts it in uh, the court of Comunicaciones to wrap this up at their own place. A series between these two, uh, it's not too hugely in favor of Comunicaciones, but some, 18, 16, and 13 in recent years. You can see how this particular leg and iteration are going to go on the VIX streaming service, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. In terms of how to bet this, what I found is that if you want to take Comunicaciones, and if you must bet, you should. I get a little nervous about some of these finals. Uh, you can get it at around minus 185. I would stay away from it, but I would take the safe bet here if you feel compelled. Comunicaciones, they are one of the capital city teams playing out of Guatemala City, and they are known as Los Cremas. The creams are kind of the cream whites, which is interesting because it's not one of the dominant colors in their crest. They're really more blue. 
terrible crafts, by the way, in general. They have these uh, kind of hand-drawn uh, mountain shapes in the background, but then the perspective, you have the uh, utility pole and utility lines that just jam the wires, if you will, right into the mountains. So the perspective has them like at the same size. It's very strange and very off-putting. As far as the footy, though, they did win sort of the uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup once, our Champions League. Uh, 1978, they were considered co-champions with three other, or two other teams, rather. They won the CONCACAF League, which used to be a feeder tournament of the CONCACAF Champions Cup in 2021. This last year was the first one that they had uh, the Central American Cup. They separated the feeder tournaments out from the Caribbean ones. This team has won 31 domestic league titles. Last time was the 2021-22 Clausura stage. In the 22-23 Clausura stage, they were number one overall in the regular season, but then went out in the semifinals. This year, offense, that's where they're getting it done. I predict that they'll score a couple in this one. They average one and two-thirds goals per match overall. It is worth noting that the group they played out of, one of the reasons I would stay away from this one, is that Group A really was weaker than Group B, despite Comunicaciones being there. Key player to look for on the scoring leaderboard with five on the regular season was Leonard Garcia, homegrown midfielder, 23 years old is all, even with three national team appearances to his credit. They advanced through the semifinals over Zelahu, 2-2 and then 4-2 on penalty kicks. Team's current form, they are now 3-1-0, though, in their last four. And now Guastatoya, they are known as the Yellow Chest, and they have a bird on their crest with the appropriately colored chest. So, much finer emblem on their side. 2013-14 was the first time, I believe, they ever advanced into the top flight, yet they have already won three league titles. Most recent one was the Apertura stage of 2020. They even managed to make it to the round of 16 in the CONCACAF Champions Cup in 2022. So they are a rising power and are coming on in recent years. The most recent completed stage, that 2022-23 Clausura, they finished fifth place overall in the regular season and then lost in the playoff semifinals. They're not generating a lot of offense, but they do have the number one defense going, giving up just in their group one goal per match. With little offense they are getting, is largely thanks to the feat of their team-leading scorer with four, Jonathan Moran, 34-year-old veteran. They advanced over the semifinal over uh, Zacapa, 4-2 to two on aggregate. And their current form, another reason they make me nervous, they are unbeaten in their last seven matches. Match number five. We're going to be spending a lot of the holiday season, it seems, in Central America, and that is just fine. Trophy matches galore. Number five. It's brought to us from El Salvador's Primera División. They tour in their Apertura final, but unlike the other Central American leagues we visited, they do not determine their playoff winner with a home-and-away two-legged tie. There is just one match, and it's going to be the capital, San Salvador. Uh, Aguila, they won the regular season by two points over C.D. Foss and actually finished 12 points ahead of their opponent today, Jokoro. It might be Jokoro, but I don't think so. In any event, Aguila won by 2-0, scores both times they played in the regular season. In terms of how to bet this, you want to make a little uh, coin, I would eat the minus 200 here and bet Aguila. I feel pretty strongly about that. Don't shy away from this particular final. Aguila, they play out of the city of San Miguel. It is the third biggest one in the country, about a quarter million out there in the uh, for population of the east central part of the country. This is one of the nation's big four historically. 
They have won 16 league titles. It's actually been a little bit since they've won the last one, though. 2019's Clausura Stage. And by the way, the 16 team league titles, that's the second most in the country's history. They won the CONCACAF Champions Cup. It has been more than a minute, 1976. Last year, they won the regular season Clausura Stage, but then they did not end up having the entirety of the playoffs played because of a really horrible stadium tragedy that happened in the league with a great number of deaths and injuries. This year, the regular season, they were number two. Whoops. I even slowed down for that and managed to goof it up. <laughs> they were second best or number B in both offense and defense in the league. The defense particularly impressive, only giving up a goal per match. On the offensive side, tied for number one in scoring with 15 goals. Carlos Salazar out of Colombia. They advanced to the semifinal over number five seed Alianza, three to two on aggregate. That's another one of the big four from this country. Team's current form, they are two, two and zero oh in their last four. Do Jokoro have any kind of chance? Well, let's learn a little bit about them. First of all, uh, they are named after the town out of which they play. Only maybe 7,000 people there. And it's just a little bit to the north of San Miguel, actually. So they're going to become rivals if Jokoro can win this. They are known as the Fire Stokers, Los Fogoneros. Not sure exactly. I think a little something is lost in translation there, but it still sounds pretty cool. The club is moderately young, founded in 1991. 2018-19 season was their first time in the top flight. Uh, Apertura 2022, they finished in second place, and that is their best league finish. No league titles for them yet. As far as the 2022-23 Klausura, they finished only number eight in the regular season, so this is a huge jump up for them. Statistically, finishing down in sixth place and barely making the playoffs, not really a fluke. They were uh, number six in both offense and defensive uh, statistical categories. Key player for them, tied for number one, though, in league scoring. I didn't happen to make a note out of how many, but given that given that, that other guy, Salazar, we mentioned, had 15, it was an awful lot. I'm talking about uh, Herman Aguila out of Argentina. And while I don't know much of anything about him, we do have a USA connection here. This team has a forward who is eligible to rep for the U.S. named Alan Benitez. They advanced uh, through the semifinal over number seven seed, C.D. Dragon, 6-2 on aggregate. Team's current form, they are undefeated in their last five with just two draws in there. Silly kitties, we got you a new robotic litter box. No? All right, fine. You still have a craving for a recap of last week's matches. Your gift is what you shall have. Here comes Santa down the chimney. We counted him down backwards last week. Match number 10 was from the Premier League of Belize, the first leg of the home and away two-legged tie of their playoff final, number four altitude, versus number B, Port Leola, and they played to a nil-nil draw. Match number nine was from the National Soccer League top flight of Papua New Guinea. Yeah, Oceania. Number one, Hikari United. They got a one-nil win over number three, uh, Lai City Dwellers. Match number eight was the Primera División final in Uruguay. Second match of the home and away, two-legged tie between Peñarol and Liverpool. Liverpool got a nil-one 
win and one on aggregate three nil all hail the champions sunday match number seven from liga mx apertura stage final second leg of the home and away two-legged tie between number one club de america and number three tigres and america got a three nil win all of the goals and added extra time after leg one went to one one really a unique way to end that uh player we said to look for uh julian quinones he had the opening in their four game winning goal uh, Club de America is again win 4-1 on aggregate. Congrats. Match number five from the Costa Rica premiered the Vision Apertura final. Once again, the second leg of the home and away final. Saprisa versus Herediano. Saprisa won 1-0, which means they win overall on aggregate 3-1. Match number five from the Honduran Liga Nacional, their Apertura final. Uh, first leg of the home and away two-legged tie because the second leg was going to be later on in the week. They played leg one to a 0-0 draw. That was Motagua and Olympia. Match number four was the Apertura final. Second leg once again of the home and away two-legged tie in Ecuador's Serie A. LDU de Quito versus Independiente de Valle. Leg one had run to a nil-nil draw. This time they played to a 1-1 draw and had to go to penalty kicks. And LDQ skunked them. Nikito win 3-0 on penalties. Monday, match number three from the Primeira League, a top flight in Portugal. Number one, Sporting CP took on number B, FC Porto. And it was Sporting defending their home turf with a 2-0 victory. Now we said to look for uh, Victor uh, Pioqueres. He had a goal and an assist. And that knocked Porto down to number three. Match number B from the FIFA Club World Cup semifinal around Fluminense versus Al Ali, as we mentioned earlier. That went to a 2-0 win for the Brazilians. Wednesday, match number one from Serbia's Superliga, number B, Partizan versus number one, Red Star Belgrade. The eternal derby, Partizani got a 2-1 win. First time I think they've won in a couple of three years, maybe. Saldana, they scored, uh, he scored the game-winning goal. That was a guy we said to look for. And they switched positions in the table. And now your three bonus matches with explanations coming Coming later. Thursday was your ride of the week from the Iraqi Stars League number B Al Shorta versus number two Naft Al Wasat. Yeah, still saying it that way, just like last week. W-A-S-A-T. Uh, that game ended up getting moved to a different date that was outside this week's parameters, so maybe we'll cover it again another time. Now, your most meaningless match in the world result. That was a Wednesday match from the Pro League of Belgium. Number one, uh, Michelin took on number nine, Standard Liège, and it was Michelin getting a big win, 3 to nil. Part of the problem was that Liège lost a man to a red card in the 12th minute. That moved Michelin up to number 10 and Liège down to number 11. And finally, your match of disappointment was a Thursday match ending your week in Spain's La Liga 2. The second division, number 21 of Marabilleta, hosted number 20, Alcorcón, two of the bottom three in that league. And it was the visitors, Alcorcón, getting a 1-2 win. But as is appropriate for the most disappointing teams that there are to be found there, there was no change in the table. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive right back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. Match number six, we go to the greatest of all the leagues, the Premier League in England, where at the time we scouted it, I believe it was number three, Liverpool. For some reason, I thought it might have been number B, but in any event, they're taking on number one Arsenal in the biggest match in the world, and that means we're not going to tell you any more about it. Oh, yeah? Why would we do that? Because it's time <laughs> for Aminals, Aminals, Aminals from around the world. Oh, yeah. Did you pull out your old man imitating voice for that? Yes, I did. 
it's evolving and I'm not sure what it's turning into. All right, so what sort of animal are we going to be learning all about from uh, England, uh, potentially other places? We are going to talk about the small tortoiseshell butterfly. Mm, do you remember its status? Vulnerable or endangered, I don't remember. Okay, but we know it's not doing great. Nope. Not doing perfectly. Did we just find this in England? Nope. We find it all over Western Europe or really anywhere in Eurasia that nettle goes easily. So nettle is its main host plant. So that's yeah. what I remember reading too. Okay, and I see something colored here in orange. That must be a fun fact. Because <laughs> orange is fun, F-U-H-N. That's not really how I spelled it in here, but I should have. Yes. All right, what is our fun fact? Is that it's the national butterfly of Denmark. Yeah, so that's pretty cool, even though Denmark's not the country we're talking about. Too bad. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, animals, they don't recognize political boundaries. They're just going to go where they go, right? Yep. And uh, what is the size of this thing like compared to other butterflies? They are like medium-sized compared to other butterflies. Okay, tell me more about what it looks like. All right, um, it has reddish-orange uh, open wings, black, yellow, and blue spots. Um, and its closed wings are uh, drabbed in color, providing camouflage for them. And even though birds are usually pretty eagle-eyed, which is why eagle-eyed is an expression, does that camouflage help them out pretty good? Yep. Uh, uh, since one of the predators of them is birds, uh, whenever they're camouflaging, it can take them almost 30 minutes to pick them out. Wow, so that is really good camouflage. All right, uh, tell me about the threats to these things then, other than the birds that are trying to eat them, which for a change, by the way, I will not. No butterfly looks appetizing to me. So for one of the few times in this series, I will not be, you will not have to talk me out of eating the endangered animal. Okay. <laughs> Just getting a head shake. All right, tell me about threats. Well, I'll tell you what one of the threats is not. Okay. The threats are not loss of habitat, food, nesting area. That's really interesting because it seems like with almost every animal you've ever talked about that, you know, deforestation or the loss of their habitat is in fact one of the main things. That's pretty weird. Yep. Because, um, the uh, nettle grows in many places quite easily still, so it's not a problem for them. Yeah, it even uh, blossoms in some areas. You know, like I can't remember the scientific word, but it basically means it macro blossoms. So, all right. So if the host isn't the problem, is it other animals? Like uh, I, I remember reading that wasps are a threat to these guys. Yep. Yep. They're eaten by wasps, but those insects are in their corn. Okay, so there's fewer wasps eating them. So what is one of the big threats then? So um, uh, one of the big threats is that uh, most of them are uh, sensitive to climate change. Climate change, how so? Because, um, well, well, the change is affecting the host plant's moisture, moisture level stress. Oh, what's that? I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, oh, I know yeah. what each of those words means individually, but not all together. Exactly. This is a soccer show, so we need to delve deep into the science. Yeah. But you can kind of guess what that means. It's messing with their moisture levels. Yeah. Okay, what are some of the other threats? Um, predators, like birds. Okay, if a bird comes after it, what does it do? It'll flash its wings open epically. Really? Yeah. Epically. Tell me more once again. So, um, uh, they do this because it startles the predators long enough for the butterfly to escape before they get them. And it's a really, really fast butterfly, even as butterflies go, from what I read. That's oh, yeah. true. And what else does flashing its wings accomplish? Um, 
The orangish red color indicates to predators it will not taste good. Now, something that I notice is not in our notes, but that I know that I read a lot of butterflies have what they call eye spots, E-Y-E spots, all one word. And so if they flash it really quick, it looks like there's some kind of animal looking at the predator bird and it flashes away. Actually, these butterflies don't have that. But the orange red tells the birds I am not tasty and delicious. So that's another reason I'm not going to try to eat it. And some birds ultimately decide to try to find other food. You I wonder what anything. it tastes like. You eat anything. You tried to eat a baby the other day. I did not try. I just talked about when to eat. They keep bringing in cute babies to church, and I am going to eat one of these church babies. No, you're not. Days. Even though there are like seven of them, you're not going to eat them. They're not seven church babies. Yeah. You know, uh, Mr. Ryan and Ms. Sharon are about to have a baby. Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat it, probably. Don't, don't, don't eat Ms. Sharon's baby. Okay, tell us more about the butterfly. All right, um, is that they're very territorial. Uh, so, uh, so whenever there are two uh, males in the air, they'll try to get higher than the other one. Oh, so they're kind of like jousting or dueling, huh? Then what happens? Um, and then... The lower one then will then try to escape. Okay, and then, all right, so first one tries to get higher than the other. They're drooling, it's like Top Gun. You haven't seen either of the Top Gun movies, have you? Nope. Take my breath away. All right, anyway, very good. All right, so they do their jousting in the air, and then the one that doesn't win that goes goes on the run, so to speak, and then what happens? Um. Uh, well, if they get a certain distance from the next area, the loser gives up and does not return. Wow, that's very sad. Sad. But I guess that's nature for you. Yep. All right. Do we have anything else about these butterflies? No. Pretty cool then, though, right? Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up then. And this was... Aminals from, from Around, around the, the world. world. Don't eat them. Match number seven. And for match lucky number seven, we have a Saturday Derby. Australia's A-League women is the destination. Yeah, we're going to slide over to the gal side of things. In this league, the top four teams will make the playoffs. Your matchup is number B, Melbourne City, versus number three, Melbourne Victory. And that is a favorite of ours here. There is a, a gentleman that has attended our church who is the punter for a local university. And that is his team, as he is from down under. Melbourne City currently trail number one Perth Glory by just three points, or not three points, but three on goal differential, rather. And they lead Melbourne Victory by three points in the table. Series between these two, Victory have been a little bit better the last couple, three seasons, uh, building up a 6-2-4 and four record. From a gambling uh, perspective, I would stay away from this one just because it's a derby. You just never know what you're going to get with those. If you do feel compelled for this, you need some skin in the game, I say bet the draw. Take the highest possible payout. Uh, you can get plus 260 on that. Another point, if you want to bet both teams to score, they're both pretty offensively oriented, swallow the minus 190. You know, keep it small, but I wouldn't be afraid of that completely. All right, Melbourne City, a club that was founded in 2015. They've already won two premierships. Those are regular season titles. Most recent one was 2019-2020. And four playoff titles. They call those the championships, and they won it in 2020 as well last. Last year, they finished in third place in the regular season and then lost in the first round of the playoffs to, you know who, Melbourne Victory. So far this season, uh, their defense is not very much to look at, but their number one offense in the league is shiny. They're the only team getting over two goals per match. They've only got tied for the fourth best goal differential. I do not think 
that uh, independent of how this result goes, and this is a team, uh, I think they're only a coin flip to make the league playoffs at all. League MVP for them so far on the season, in my opinion, tied for number one in league scoring is Holly McNamara. She has netted six already, and she's even got three national team appearances to her credit. A gal that is going places. Teams current form 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. And now the Intracity Derby rivals of Victory, a club founded in 2008. They have won one premier title, 2018-19, and three championships. Last one was 2021-22. Last year, they only finished in fourth place in the regular season and then fell out of what I'm going to call the playoffs, the semifinal. It very use a very interesting format there for the playoffs, and don't call it that, but it is the second to last round. They've been a very well-balanced team this year. Second best offense and uh, tied for third best defense. But you put it all together, number one overall goal differential. They are my favorites to win the league. Key players to look for, tied for third best in league scoring with four so far has been Rachel Lowe. Tied for number one in assists with three, Alana Murphy, just 18 years old, plays midfielder for them. Uh, She started her pro career here, and that was two years ago. Yeah, only 15 or 16 years old. And the number one in clean sheets so far in the league with three is Lydia Williams, veteran presence back there, 35 years old. She came over from uh, Brighton and Hove Albion over in England. And this is a gal who has played with some of the best clubs around. Uh, PSG over in France, as well as OL Reign, two of the three big ones over there, as well as Houston Dash. Yes, NWSL fans, you've got the right gal. Team's current form. Uh, The only two that they've lost on the season were their first two. They are undefeated since then. Match number eight. Your last Saturday match is your second consecutive derby where you're headed to Cyprus, where the top flight is the first division, a little bit above average in Europe. They are ranked number 22 in UEFA. Their champions will get to go to the Champions League and get to start not quite at the back. They'll be up at the second qualifying round. And then their uh, next two runners up will be in the Europa Conference League for newer fans. That is the third best international club tournament, fairly new. And these teams will get to start in the second qualifying round as well. They're about 40% of the way through the season. And not only is this a derby, but it is a number one versus number B matchup. Number one, Apoel Nicosia versus number B, Ammonia. Nicosia, yeah, intra-city rivalry. Applewell currently lead uh, Omania by three points. Series between these two is very much an Applewell to very few uh, veteran fan surprise, I'm sure. The record, 32-15-7 in recent years. Yet when they played earlier this year at Omonia's place, or Omonia, I can't remember the pronunciation, but they won 2-1. to one. I think this one is spicy. Wouldn't bet the farm on it, but I'm not afraid of it. I would... Uh, to take Applewell, you've only got to eat minus 105. That is not very much, considering it's going to be at their place, even though Omania won't have a long drive or trip exactly. Mm, I do like it. Let's find out why. Applewell, they are known as the legend. Uh, international body called IFFHS, uh, world ranks this club number 64. Just a couple of spots over uh, Club de America, one of the greats from Liga MX, giving you a little bit of a local perspective. 2011-2012, they made the Champions League quarterfinals, I believe, the best they've ever done there. This year, uh, they lost in the Europa Conference League second qualifying round. They have won 20 league titles, and they're anxious to get back to it because the last one was 2018-2019. It's been a minute. Last year, they finished in second place. This year, offense good, 
defense, that is where they are getting fed. They only give up a little bit over a goal every other match on average. And because of that, they have the number one goal differential. That makes them my favorites to win the league. On the offensive side, key player to look for for them on the scoring leaderboard with five is Marquinhos, a Brazilian right winger who just came over last year. I believe this is his very first season outside of South America and maybe his first professional season even outside of Brazil specifically. Yeah, it seems like he's adjusted well so far. Team's current form, they have won three straight matches with an impressive 7-1 goal differential, and they have won seven straight at home. Another great reason I say go ahead and take the 105 on them. Uh, Omonia, that translates, I believe from Greek, to harmony. Last year, they finished in sixth place. They have 21 league titles. They've won it more recently than their counterparts to date. 2020-21, they hoisted the trophy. After that, they, uh, or rather that same year, they made the Champions League playoff round, which comes right before the group stage, and then got to drop down to the Europa League, the second best international club tournament in Europe, into the group stage, and that is their best collective international season ever. This year, they made the Europa Conference League playoff round. This year, their defense, uh, as far as the ordinal ranking goes, it's only a little bit above average, number five, but things are pretty tight in that regard. They've got the number one offense going, and then the only club getting over two goals per match. Uh, third best on goal differential. I think that they'll get to international competition. Just don't think they're going to win the league. I'm sure daring to disagree with me is this key player to look for, tied for third best in league scoring with eight, Willie Semedo. Uh, he plays out of Cope. Uh, Cape Verde, rather, and is a left winger. Don't know if he's born there or has lineage there, but he has 16 national appearances for the nation. Uh, European fans might also remember him if you're uh, Belgian fans. He was a sporting Char Charleroi for a hot minute. Team's current form, they have won four straight with a 10-3 goal differential and are 4-3-0 on the road in the last seven. Match number nine. Flip the page to Sunday. We finish out our weekend at the United Arab Emirates. The top flight there is the Pro League, and it is the sixth-ranked one in the AFC. That is the Asian Football Confederation. One team will get to what, starting next year, will be known as the Champions League Elite, or what right now would simply be called the Champions League. And they're going to start in the league stage. I assume that is the equivalent to the group stage. We shall find out next year. They will also be sending their runners-up to international competition. Uh, through this year, it's being called the Asian Cup, but starting next year, that will be called Champions League 2. We're almost halfway through the season here, and your matchup is number B, Shabab Al Ali Dubai versus number one, Al Wasl. Uh, Al Ali, they lead Al Wasl by three points. Uh, Al Wasl in turn lead number three, Al Ain by two points in the table. So, a pretty good race going. Series between these two, your hosts today, Al Ali, uh, they have a pretty good advantage with a 6 6 and 3 record the last few seasons. They are known as the Red Knights. Uh, interestingly, this is. I won't call it a new club exactly, but it's the uh, uh, produced by a merger a club that was known simply as Shabab, which means youth and all Ailey. They merged in 2017. Uh, that meant they weren't eligible by rule for any AFC competitions internationally for three years. You're not to have allowed to have a license if you're that new. So if you're not as familiar with this club, that could be part of the reason why. Overall, they've won eight league titles and they are your defending champions. 2015, uh, the predecessor club, whichever one they consider it to be, finished second place in the Champions League, international best. 
Stats-wise, they have tied for the third-best offense, getting almost two and a half goals per match. This is an entertaining league. They all score a lot. Number one on defense, and this is the first time in a long time I've ever seen a team number one in that regard, yet giving up just over a goal per match. They have the second-best overall goal differential. Key players to look for. Tied for number one in big chances missed. They need more prediction out of this guy. I think he's got five goals, but he's missed seven really huge opportunities. And that is the singularly named 19-year-old Brazilian striker, uh, Mateu Sal. Number one in save percentage on the league, 74. Not that great, but again, it's a high-scoring league, is Hassan Hamza Ali. And in my opinion, their team MVP has been Federico Nicolas Cartabia from Argentina. He is central midfielder them. Three goals, two assists. And uh, yes, if you're a La Liga fan, this is a guy who started his career with Valencia. Team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three. They scored a bunch, 10 and 2 goal differential, but in fairness, we must point out the seven of those were in a 7 0 win over the last place Emirates Club. And now El Wassel. Uh, there seems to be one word for both these animals in Arabic, if I have it right, which I may not. They are known as the Cheetahs, or if you prefer, the Panthers. They also play out of the city of Dubai, so another rivalry here. They get to boast that they had the Persian Gulf areas first ever ultras group and they are known as ultras Junoon, and they are known for their amazing some of them three-dimensional tifos you've got to google some of these up and see them they are fantastic look for one in particular with a massive jet on it last year they finished in fourth place this year they have got the number one offense in the league that's saying a lot two and three quarters goals per match they're the only team that has scored over 30 goals in the 11 matches they've played Pretty good defense to go with it. Number one overall goal differential. They are the league favorites, in my opinion, this year. But how well would that, how much would that mean on the road for this one particular match? Key player to look for. Tied for second best in league scoring with eight is Fabio Lima, right winger, who represents for this nation. I realize by the name, yes, he sounds Latin. He is Brazilian born, but he has played in this league since 2014, so he's long since been naturalized. And to that end, he has made 23 UAE national team appearances since 2020. Also, number one in the league in assists with seven is Nicola uh, Jimenez, an Argentinian central midfielder. Interestingly, FOTMOB, uh, an application that I really like, or FOTMOB might be the better pronunciation, it's Northern European, lists these two players as number one and two in the league MVP race in terms of stats. Team's current form, well, they're undefeated and they have won two straight matches. And yet, because they're on the road, if you're the gambling type, and I am, you can get a Wassel at plus 215. I recommend throwing a dart on them, even though it's technically a road game. It's not a road game in the truest sense. They don't have a long trip to go. They are undefeated. And I think it's worth noting uh, that Al-Ali, they lost already at home to number three, Al-Ain. So they have uh, proved that their house is not a complete fortress this year. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Oh, person noob, I thought you might have been a little bit less impatient here during the holiday season. Match number 10 is a Wednesday match. We're coming back to our region of the world one more time, but not to Central America. Now we're off in the Caribbean. Jamaica's Premier League is the number 10 ranked league in all of CONCACAF. The top six teams will get to go to the league playoffs. The top two will get buys to the semifinals. Now, despite the fact that they have playoffs, my understanding is that they continue to run it the same way. It will be the top two regular season finishers that get to go to the Caribbean 
or excuse me, the CONCACAF Caribbean Shield, which is one of two Caribbean tournaments that will be feeders for the CONCACAF Champions Cup. The other one's actually a feeder for this tournament. It is the one for professional teams in the Caribbean. In any event, they're almost halfway through the season down there. Number B, Arnett Gardens are taking on number one, Mount Pleasant Academy. Right now, Mount Pleasant uh, lead Gardens by three points. They in turn lead number three, Tivoli Gardens, as well as number four, Portmore United, by just one on goal differential. This is one of the better races going in the entire world. By the way, worth noting that Arnett Gardens in second place right now, but they have a match in hand against all those clubs. They've played nine, the others have played 10. Arnett Gardens, they play out of the capital city of Kingston and are known as the Junglists. You know, I'm a bit of a nerd. I've uh, spent uh, a couple of decades as a tournament Scrabble player in the U.S. And I don't recognize that word, but all right, fine. It still sounds pretty cool. Now, the reason they're named that, this actually doesn't have directly to do with like, uh, you know, fauna or ecotype. Uh, in fact, Arnett Gardens is an area of the capital city that is known as the Concrete Jungle. But this said they have lions on the crest, so they are still worthy of our scorn. Be a little bit more original, people. Stop with the lion nickname. Stop with the lion on the crest. Be different. Dare to it. All right. Five league titles they've won. Last one was 2016-17. Twice they have finished runners-up in the Caribbean Club Championship. Last time was 2018. That is essentially the tournament that I mentioned before. Just a slightly different name. Last year, they won the regular season and then finished third best in the playoffs. This year, very well balanced. Number three on defense, second best offense, one and three quarters goals per match. Tied for number one in goal differential. A key metric, as I'm sure you've learned from me this episode. Tied for fifth best in scoring in the league with five is Kimani Arborin. Uh, team score form, 4-1-0 in their last five. Very good. Although, interestingly, that draw, they mentioned, talk about a trap match. That draw came against last place Lime Hall Academy, a team that just got moved up this year. All right. Don't have a ton on Mount Pleasant, but I'll give you what I got. We'll know a little bit more than we did before. They play out of the town of St. Anne's Bay, which is in St. Anne's Parish. It's in the north central part of the country. Uh, maybe 15,000 people there. History buffs may recognize the name, though. This is the uh, now parish where Columbus first landed on what is now Jamaica. Last year, they finished in third place in the regular season, but then were the playoff champions, and that was their first ever title. This year, the offense is not that much worse than their opponents today, but it does. Uh, it's only top six in the league average, but they've got the number one defense. They're only giving up a goal every other match on average, and they are the other team that is tied for number one in goal differential. The key player for Gardens that I mentioned had a first name I'd never heard of before, Kimani. Well, this guy's first name is Kimoni, Kimoni Bailey. But I want to give you the full name to show you that his parents either wanted him to be a football player or a movie star. Full name, Kimoni Travolta Everton Bailey. That's my name. I don't care how, what the size of my shoulders are, what you have to do to the font. I want the whole darn thing on there. That's one of the greatest things of all time. Travolta Everton. Team's current form, their win over Treasure Beach, which I think is 10th of the league, snapped a three-match winless and two-match losing streak. Bring forth the bonus matches! The first of our three super cool and unique bonus matches is one my daughter dramatically calls the... Route, 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 route of... Of, 
of of the week 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 week. And it is a first versus last place matchup being played on Saturday. We're headed back to England once again, but this time not to the Premier League, the one right below that, the championship with whom they share promotion and relegation for the newest of fans. Uh, the best teams go up, the worst teams from the higher league go down, and it happens all throughout pyramids in countries all over the world, just not in the U.S. or India, uh, Australia, a couple other places. All right, that all said, the top two teams from this league will automatically be promoted to the Premier League for next year. The next four teams will have a little promotion playoff tournament after the regular season to see which of those four will get the third and final berth up to the Premier League. They're about halfway through the season. Uh, A few teams are going to get relegated, by the way, but I don't remember if it was three or four right off the top of my head. Your matchup is number one, Leicester City, and they are playing host to number 22, last place, uh, Rotherham. Leicester, they lead number B, Ipswich, by three points. That team leads number three, Leeds, by 13 points. So it seems like we already know probably who the two auto-promoted teams will be. On the other end of things, Rotherham, uh, they trail number one, Sheffield United, by three points in the table. And then they trail Huddersfield by nine. I don't remember exactly what place Huddersfield is in, but I know that they represent the lowest point of the teams that are not currently in the relegation zone. These teams have only played a handful of times, at the very least in the recent seasons. Leicester haven't dropped any of them. 5-1-0 is the record, and they've already played once this year, and Leicester won that on the road 1-2. All right, we'll talk about Leicester City first, the Foxes. Leicester is the number 11 size city in all of the UK, or at least England, I should say, a little under 400,000. It is in the East Midlands part of the country, largely known economically for uh, textile production and industrial engineering products, a lot of heavy stuff. Footy-wise, they have won just one league title. This is one of the first years I ever was following football, and I spent a while talking to people going, I know this is a big deal, but how big a deal? turned out to be a very big deal. Only one they've ever won, 2015-16. They have won the second division title seven different times, most recently 2013-14. 2016-17 Champions League, they made the quarterfinal, and then in 2021-22, they made the Europa Conference League finals. Those are their best UEFA appearances, in my opinion, out of the seven that they have ever made. Last year, they got demoted out of the Premier League for finishing in 18th place. Yes, the best of those that got moved down, relegated after, I believe, 10 seasons in the league. Uh, Yeah, they're looking to bounce right back up, obviously. They didn't drop a ton of players. They knew they could move up. They've got the second best offensive league, but the number one defense by a lot. They're giving up less than uh, three quarters of a goal per match and have the number one goal differential going by a factor of 50%. Wow. Key players for them tied for number one in assists in the league with nine is Kierna Dewsbury Hall, English central midfielder who also has seven goals. Uh, Footbob ranks him as the second best player in the league overall, to no surprise, given those stats. Number one in the league in accurate passes per 90 minutes is one of their stars, Yannick Vestergaard from Denmark, central back. And then number one in save percentage by a lot, almost 80%. That is Mods Hermansen, another Dane youngster, just 23 years old. Team's current form, they have won four straight and have an unbeaten streak of six going right now. And now rather than they are playing out of South Yorkshire, which despite the name is in the north central part of England, city of well over 100,000, and they are known as the Millers. 
I don't believe they've ever been in the top flight, or at least not in the modern Premier League, certainly. I can tell you that they have won the third Division League three different times, excuse me, two different times, and the most recent one was 1980-81. Last year, they finished in 19th place, so just about got kicked down to League One. Hard to say which side of the ball they are worse on. They've simply bitten off more than they can chew this year at this level. They're not even getting a goal per match. That ties them for the worst in that regard, I believe, or pretty close. But they've got the worst defense by a lot. They're the only team giving up two goals per match. They are doing exactly that. Worst goal differential, as you would be able to guess. Nevertheless, a couple of decent players tied for number one in saves per 90 minutes and yet also in goals conceded. And he just faces a barrage of shots every single match. Victor Johansson from Sweden. He's a real trooper. Uh, to give you some idea of his actual worth, he's just a little bit below average for this level in terms of save percentage. The team MVP, in my opinion, has probably been creased. Uh, Tiehi, I'm going to pronounce it, T-I-E-A-G. He is uh, representing the Ivory Coast, plays central midfielder for them. Uh, just one goal on the season, but he's more defensively than offensively oriented. As far as his role on offense, though, he is an excellent dribbler, very high success rate percentage-wise. Team's current form, they have lost two straight and are winless in their last 10. I would not be afraid, gamblers, to bet on this particular one, but you're facing too big of a minus for the payoff to be worth a darn to just bet Leicester to win. What I would look at here is to bet them both to win and for the total number of games to be scored in the league to be over three. For such a bad team, their offense for their opponents is completely hapless. And Leicester is going to get two or three probably on their own. So make that bet. The payoff isn't too bad. You can get this at around minus 130. Or if you really think it's going to be a blowout, uh, get plus 200 by betting this to be at over three and a half goals for the game. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Yeah. Two teams smack dab in the middle of their table. Probably nobody talking about them. Nobody but us, that is. We celebrate them in song. Teams in the most meaningless match in the world. We've picked a Tuesday match from the Yemen or Yemeni League, the top flight in that country. The league did not even play last year. So if you're a fairly new fan and not familiar with them, that might be part of the reason why. Also, it's not a very strong league at all to say the least. They are tied with five other leagues for last place in the AFC coefficients. They simply haven't had any teams uh, going or, or getting any kind of results in, your, in uh, I was going to say European, but Asian competitions. Let's learn a little bit about their league. All right, the Yemeni top flight has 14 teams and they're broken up into two groups of seven. However, I will say each of the two groups has one team that isn't even participating this year. They're listed in the standings, but with no games played. So they both must've dropped out relatively close to the start of the league season. There are league playoffs to determine which team will qualify for the AFC Challenge League, which is going to be a brand new third tier international club tournament in Asia starting next year. And they do have a team that goes down because of relegation and another one that could end up going down. They will get to fight for their lives in a relegation playoff match. Probably these two teams won't have to worry about it. Uh, they were number 
four and three, respectively. They are uh, when I scouted this, they are now number five and four. So the fifth place team is in a potential relegation playoff match. Just full disclosure there. Number five, Salam versus number four, uh, Shayab Hadramaut. H-A-D-H-A-R-M-A-U-T is the anglicized version of that particular one that I'm probably butchering. They play in what is known as Group 2, and I'm simply going to refer to them as Shabab from now on, because that's easier. Uh, Shabab leads Salama by one point in the table. Uh, Salam. I've got very little on them. All I can tell you for certain is that they were not in the league the last time it was held, 2021-22. I don't know if that means they're a new league or if they are a league that was promoted up somehow. They've got the worst offense going in the league, getting just over one goal per match. This is a league with a fair bit of scoring. They do have tied for the second best defense. It's a small ball team. They only give up a little bit over a goal per match. Overall, it comes out in the watch. They've got the fourth best goal differential. Teams current form. Uh, they just had a draw in their most recent match, and that snapped actually a three-match losing skid. And now your visitors, Shayab, they play out of the city of uh, Mukala, which is the sixth biggest one there. Got about 600,000 people. It is a south centrally located port city. Uh, modern history buffs, as you will, those who follow the news might recognize this. Uh, one of the uh, big Al-Qaeda bodies were involved in a big civil war there that started back in like 2015. Things got settled out in about 2016 and not in their favor. Uh, Hadramaut, by the way, is the name of the province out of which they play. They have only ever made one Champions League appearance in Asia. They played in the group stage, and that was back in 2008. 2021-22, they played in Group 1. Not that I think the numbering matters. They finished in third place. Remember, that was the last time the league met. This year, they're well-balanced, uh, second-best offense, uh, tied for the third-best defense, and tied for the third-best goal differential. I'm not saying they're favorites in this particular match, but I do think that by the end of the season, they will finish higher than their counterparts today. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. And now your final match where we do not end on notes of happiness or joy celebrating teams, but rather with wailing and gnashing of teeth. This is the fresh hellscape that is the match of... Disappointed! And these two sad sack bottom feeders in their table are playing on Tuesday, and they are from League One, not of France, but of Tunisia, which is the fifth ranked league in all of Africa. No thanks to these two turds. Their league is divided into two groups of seven. They'll play a regular season of a double round robin each, and then they will divide into championship and relegation rounds of three and four clubs each, respectively, or from each of the groups. Only one team overall will get relegated, and that's the only two teams, only thing that these two teams have going for them. I am talking about from one of the groups, number seven, A.S. Slimane, S-L-I-M-A-N-E. They are taking on number six, Gafsa. And by the way, there are only like, uh, depending on the team, two or three matches left in the first phase of the season. Right now, uh, Slimane, they trail Gafsa by three points in the table. Gafsa trail number three, Club Africain, by 12 points. That is what they would have to make up if they dared to dream of getting to the championship round. I am sure that they are only having night terrors and that they do not involve promotion, only the lack thereof. When they played earlier this season, Gafsa won at their place 1-0. Now, your home team, uh, Slimane, or oftentimes known as Solomon, which I'm a little more confident in the pronunciation. Maybe I should have gone with that Latinization. That is a city in the northeast part of the country as well, part of the uh, Nebul government. Probably a little under 50,000 people there. 
They made it up to Division I, I believe, for the first time in just 2019-2020. Last year, they finished in 11th place overall in this league. I don't think they divided into groups last year. They have tied for the worst offense, but then the worst all-around defense, giving up a bit over one and a half goals per match. This isn't a league where goal scoring is at an absolute premium. That is a ton. Team's scoring leader with two is Mohamed Hamroni, just 20 years old. He's got plenty of time to come to his senses and move on to a better team. Team's current form, their only win of the season was two matches ago. And now Gafsa. Uh, that is also the name of the city out of which they play. It's in the west central part of the country. Well over 100,000 people there, largely known and economically based in phosphate mining. 2007, they actually did get to go to international play to the Confederation Cup. That is one step below Africa's Champions League. They made it to what was known as the Intermediate Round. Last year, they were in the second division in Tunisia, which was divided into groups. They won that group and got themselves promoted where they are choking to death. They basically got the same lousy stats of their opponent today, except they have conceded just one less goal. No one on this team has scored multiple goals, so I don't even know who to tell you to watch for. Not that you should watch this. Otherwise, you might gouge out your eyes and end up in fashion. Do not look for a stream. Teams could inform they are winless in their last five and have lost three straight. In terms of gambling, uh, if you must go in on one of these bad turnips, I suppose Slamani, just because they are the home team, take them at plus 115, but I wouldn't touch either of these with a stick for a variety of reasons. And with this all said, rather than wishing them good luck or good fortune, we will wish them away, whisk them away in our usual fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Take them away. Hey, boo. Boo. And as is appropriate for the holiday season, that'll put a bow on episode number 167 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Thank you so much for tuning in. We know that there's so many soccer podcasts out there. We really endeavor to create something unique. Plenty of fun information and looking at leagues that even a lot of veteran fans aren't familiar with, but we try to make it really accessible for new fans of the game as well. If you've got suggestions, please find us on Twitter. I know it's X now, Soccer Noob. USA is our handle there. Also, I'd like to thank he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan, the former interno inferno, his creative efforts as always remain on fire. So until we can do it again in a few days, on behalf of Person Noob, we hope that you have a fabulous footy week. Take care. Christmas recording time.